Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Welcome to those uh, watching online and you here on site. You know, man, there's faith in the air. You can feel that. I believe that God is getting ready to do something. We've been fasting and praying for 21 days. And today, some of us have to get some meat and some cheese and some sugar after 21 days of of saying, God, we want you more. We want you more than anything else. And my prayer for you this week and my prayer for you, especially after, sir, I want you to just make, why don't you just say, Lord, I want God to set you free today. One of the words the Lord gave me is free people, free people. And I pray that, I, I believe this message is specifically for you. As I was preparing this message, I, I could just, I was overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord, excited about what he wants to do today. So let's go into prayer before I even get started. Father, I come before you. Lord, and, and I pray, Lord God, for strongholds to be broken attitudes, mindsets, besitting sins, Lord, that, Lord, today would be a day of freedom. And I pray as we come together for the altar service, I pray that you'd use your people, that word of wisdoms would come, word of knowledges would come. Lord God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would move today after the preaching of your word. Amen. How many of you guys excited to experience God today? So as we get, as we, as we get started, I want you to think back into your life. For the first time that you felt absolutely free. Maybe it was the first time you got your driver's license and you got in the car. You drove without your parents turn, telling you to turn, put the signal. Just you in the open road. Then you got married. Now your wife's taking the parents' drive. You know what I'm saying? Or how about the first time you moved away from home? You went to college. You got your first apartment. Nobody was telling you when to pick up your clothes, when to throw out the trash, when to go to a bed. You were free. Instead, but you know what happens after that freedom? Instead of feeling free, you're now a slave to all those payments that freedom costs, right? All of a sudden, here comes the car payment. Here comes the insurances due. When college is over, here comes that big old school bill that you've been paying for 100 million years. And freedom that seemed like it was so real leads to bondage. And so many times in our lives, in our pursuit of freedom, it actually leads us to more bondage. How many of you guys know that? But there's a story in Luke chapter 8 of a man who experienced freedom in an incredible way. God set him free. And I believe in his story, out of this passage, are tremendous lessons for us. And his story starts in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. Follow along with me in the screens, or if you have your Bible, Luke 8, 27. I will be preaching from the ESV this morning. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had, I want you to underline, circle, highlight, smiley face this word, demons. He had demons. And for a long time, he had worn no clothes. And he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. So I want you to picture this with me. Let me set the stage for you. Picture the scene. The whole town is waiting for Jesus. Jesus is growing more and more popular. His teachings and his miracles have gone viral on TikTok and Instagram. People want to hear him teach. A big crowd is coming. And as the crowd is coming, all of a sudden this naked dude just comes to meet him. The first streaker. Okay, maybe don't picture that part. But the rest of it. 
Parents are covering their kids' eyes. They're holding their kids tight. Everybody is freaked out. This maniac is ruining the moment that Jesus is coming. As I read the story, it made me wonder about this kid, this man. Did he have a family? He grew up in that small town. Maybe at one time he was a respectable citizen. Was he married? Did he have children? This is what I thought. Like, what caused him to running around in the nude? Did anybody try to dress him? Did anybody try to help him? But the writer of the gospel, Luke, gives us some insight. Here's the one thing you got to understand about Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He was very educated. And Luke was diagnosing the problem. And he said the problem is not just a physical problem. As a doctor, he could diagnose it. It's not just a mental problem. But Luke is telling us this. It's a spiritual problem. He had demons. And some commentators I was reading said one of the main manifestations and characteristics of demonic influence is nakedness. You see it throughout scripture. Nakedness, according to the Bible, is a spiritual perversion. It's hard to see that the devil today is even releasing a spirit of perversion in our day like never before. Like, like you can't walk down the mall or scroll on Instagram without Victoria trying to show you all her secrets, right? It, it's everywhere. Because the Bible commands us not only to be clothed, but to be clothed modestly. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that God did, what does he do? He closed them. Because in a sin-cursed world, characterized by selfishness, the central expression of selfishness is lust. Because why does it? Lust reduces people to an object. It devalues and dehumanizes people made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, the image of God. I was listening to a Christian apologist and, who travels all across the world, and especially to secular universities. And he said the number one problem that this generation is facing, after every time he asks questions, because he's going to secular universities, and he answer, he's answering questions about God and faith, and he says at the end, there's a line of students that come to, um, pray, want prayer from him, and they want to talk to him. And he says the two big things that everybody, almost everybody in this generation is struggling with, you know what they are? Pornography and suicide. Both are an attack on the image of God. It's showing that there's a spiritual attack on this generation. And let me tell you, everywhere you see an attack on the image of God, no, it's demonic. Whether it be abortion, whether it be suicide, whether it be self-harm, whether it be pornography, even evolution. Evolution is demonic because it takes man created in the image of God, it reduces him to an animal or a random event. And here in this passage, we see these demons attacking this man, creating the Omago Dei, the image of God. And it's making this man act like a wild animal. And I know you're out there. Some people don't believe in demons. They think it's hocus pocus stuff. But the Bible clearly teaches us that we're made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6.12. That we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in heavenly places. Notice the word against appears five times in just two verses. And here's the truth that we're seeing in this passage. One of them, we are in an unseen battle against evil spiritual forces, whether we see it or not. Verse 29 tells us this demonized man had uncommon strength. It says he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds. He was strong. And as I was reading and reflecting the story, I came across an interesting news story about a man in Florida, a young man in Florida. He was so agitated with the slow service that he was getting at a restaurant, he stormed out of the restaurant in a rage. 
He then went and he attacked two random strangers at their house, and he was attempting to eat the face of one of the victims. When the first deputy arrived at the couple's home, they used a taser on the man, but it didn't phase him. They tried pulling him off, but they couldn't. Other deputies arrived shortly with a dog, and they took all of them to subdue him. They said this, quote, the suspect in this case was abnormally strong, and he was tested for being under the influence of drugs. Authorities said the suspect had a bizarre online persona, and he was quoted as saying this on, his, uh, on one of his profiles. I've got a psycho side, and I've got a normal side. I've lost my mind. Help me find it. So they're realizing there's something that was at work in this man that was far beyond the physical right here. And here in the Western world, we have trouble with this thought of demons. But this text is showing Luke is pointing us out that there's something far greater at work than human dysfunction and bad environments. See, the idea before the, 20th, before the 20th century was if you could change sociological factors, psychological factors, and biological factors, if you give people better homes, better educations, if you change their economic status, then everything would self-correct. This is what people thought. Then we lived through the bloodiest century in the history of mankind, the 20th century. In the 20th century, we saw the Holocaust, we saw Stalin's purgings, we saw the killing, folds, the killing fields of Cambodia, we saw child pornography explosion, human trafficking, school shootings. We are talking about things beyond the scope of normal human desire and behaviors. Now secular scholars are scrambling to figure out why horrific things keep happening. Andrew de Blanco, a self-described secular liberal at Columbia University, wrote the book called The Death of Satan. He opens up the book with this sentence, the quote, the gulf has opened in our culture between the visibility of evil and our intellectual resources of coping with it. The evil that was always there is still there. We got rid of the idea of sin and sinners. We got, idea, we got rid of the idea of original sin. We got rid of the idea of the devil. Now we're absolutely astounded by the fact that there clearly is something beyond what we can manage or control here, and we have no way of dealing with it now. This is a secular scholar. But the Bible doesn't have a problem with just explaining away evil. The Bible teaches us that evil came from two free will beings that God created angels and demons. In Isaiah 48 and Ezekiel 28, it tells us that angels rebelled against God and they became the devil and demons. And John 10.10 10 says the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That God is the author of life, but Satan loves death. And that's what he did. He, he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy marriages and families. He wants countries to die. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. He deceived them into sinning and brought spiritual death and bondage into all mankind. See, Satan will lie, but we believe the lies. He will tempt us, but we sin. And we are complicit in the participation in evil. And when we complicit with what the devil is trying to do in our lives, that leads to bondage in our lives. That leads us to living in chains. And I say that to show you this. This crazy naked dude finds himself under the influence of demonic forces. Verse 26. He is naked and living in tombs, he says. Mark, in his gospel, records the same story in Mark 5, 5. And it says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. He could not sleep. He was hurting himself. He was giving himself to self-harm. Psychologists today might say he was in a manic phase of manic depression. In verse 30 says, 
When they ask him his name, he says, Legion. This demonized man is suffering from a loss of personality and identity issues. The clinical definition today of this man would be a multiple personality disorder. And I'm not saying any, everybody with a multiple, multiple personality disorder is demonized, but there are some that have mental problems. There are some that have physical problems. But we also know that there are many also that have spiritual problems. And we don't know how to deal with these people because we don't know how to deal with spiritual problems. We just don't need medication and information. What we need is Jesus. We need repentance. And we need truth. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit moving and working in the the lives of people once again and this morning from this text I want you to see if this might be happening to you I want to show you from this text some signs that maybe you could be under demonic oppression and the word demon possessed in the English translations is not actually a good translation it's what the word the, the translators say but the better word would be demonized and let me just tell you it's hard for a Christian to be totally demon-possessed, given over. But there are Christians, many Christians, myself as a believer, where we can have areas in our lives where we're oppressed because of little strongholds that we've opened up to the enemy. And my prayer this morning is that God reveals that and he sets us free. So the first sign of demonic oppression you see is loneliness. Isolation. Look at verse 27. He had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. This has been the devil's strategy since the beginning. When man first sinned, they were separated from God, and they were separated from one another. This man lived among the tombs. Interesting to me that the demons led him to an unclean place. Uh, according to the Old Testament law, it was considered a sin, and you were considered to be unclean if you were around dead people. I want you to realize the demonic pushes you towards sin and isolation. And during this pandemic, um, let me tell you, I believe some of it has been used by the enemy. I know there's some health issues and some challenges, but the enemy is using this tactic against the people of God to allow the people of God to feel lonely and isolated and feel disconnected from God and disconnected from people. That's why it's so important to get in life groups. That's why they're so important. It's one of our values here at Freedom Church. Life is better together. We were made for relationship with God, and we were made for relationship with one another, and that's why the church is so powerful when God's people come together because one of the things the enemy wants to do is he wants to separate you from God, and he wants to separate you from God's people, and he wants to have you living alone. It's an attack on the church. And if you feel alone, the truth is you're not alone. Let me tell you, God is with you. And let me tell you this, the church is here for you. That's why it's so important to get involved in the church. And I know there are people that are watching online and because of health issues, you cannot come. So we are launching virtual life groups. If you can't meet here physically, if you can't meet here physically, we're trying our best to connect with you. And we have, if you want to join a virtual life group, just comment whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Tell, me, tell us you want to be in a virtual life group and we will get you connected to one. The loneliness is a demonic sign of demonic oppression. Another sign of demonic oppression is a shame. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. How many of you ever had a dream where you went to school or work in your underwear? I have. I'm sure some of you are psychologists. You're psychoanalyzing what that means. I don't know. I've had like only that two or three times that's happened to me. But you go to work. You're freaking out. You're in your underwear. Everybody's staring at you. And all of a sudden you wake up and like, thank the Lord that's over. Well, for this man, it wasn't a dream. Everywhere he went, he was naked. The demonic wants to expose you and fill you with shame. Psychologists say this, that you cannot be happy and feel ashamed at the same time. 
You can't live with the shame of Pastor Gret's mistakes and abuse because it'll bind you up. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8.1 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation means God doesn't judge you for all that you've done because Jesus took our shame and guilt on the cross and he was judged in our place. Let me tell you how the devil works. The Bible says that he is a liar and he's an accuser. He'll lie to you. Oh, that's no big deal. Just say that word. Man, just go for it. Just man, tell him how you feel. It's no big deal. Just, it's just one drink, two or three drinks. It's no big deal. Just click that side. No big Then once you do it, oh, you're such an idiot, you moron. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you looked at that. I can't believe it said that. Now you want to worship. Now you want to act holier than thou. Now you want to act like you're all good. Now you want to man, be a good father. How many of you guys know that's how the devil operates? He will accuse you and lie to you and then when you sin, he will pour shame on you. And if you are having shame right now, if there's shame and guilt on your life, let me tell you, that is not from God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we fall into the lies and we believe his accusations against us, you will have a negative low self-image and many believers are living in guilt. But let me tell you, you have an advocate to the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you sin, he stands in the place of the Father, and he says, yeah, he might have done that, but I want you to look at the cross. I lived the life he should have lived. I died the death he should have died. And though he's guilty, his guilt was on me. Eyes covered by the blood of Jesus. Shame is not of God. Here's another one. Restlessness. Verse Mark chapter 5, verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and the mountains, he was always crying out. If you have a restless spirit, if you can't sleep at night, if you're always going, if you're always, always stressed, restlessness is not a sign of the Spirit of the Lord. Restlessness is actually a sign of demonic activity and sin. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Why is restlessness so bad? Because, let me tell you, you were not made to live in conflict with God. Fear, doubt, Bitterness, resentment, shame, loneliness, insecurity, low self-esteem, worry. All those are problems, but they're not your real problems. They're just symptoms. Your real problem is unrecognized, unresolved conflict with God. And the reason we worry is because we don't trust God. The reason that we're full of anxiety is we don't think God's in control. The reason that sometimes we have low self-esteem is because we don't believe what God says about us. And those are things that are causing restlessness in your life. And if there's a sense of restlessness in your life, I believe right now God through his word and through his spirit wants to set you free. The fourth thing of demonic oppression that we notice in this text is compulsions. Look at this. Verse 29 says, this demonic spirit constantly seized control of this man's body. He had out-of-control compulsions. Here's a question I'd ask for you. Do you have any area of your life where you have no control? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. An out-of-control appetite is a sign of sin, and it's a sign of demonic influence. Is there an area of your life where I can't stop doing this? I can't stop thinking like this. I just can't. I, I have no control. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit has come to give you power and to give you control over the forces of devil and, the, and your sinful nature. It's interesting that the influence of this demon 
the demons in this life cause him to act like a wild animal. He's, he's acting like an animal. He's not functioning as God created him to be. Remember, every demonic activity takes you from acting like the image of God and makes you to act like creation. God created us in his image to have authority of all, over all creation, not to be given over to our desires and to be subject to creation. God gave us dominion and he gave us authority. The fifth issue that y'all want you to see is identity issues. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. This man is so full of demons, he can't even respond. He's lost who he is. Legion is a Roman military term that can mean an army of six, up to 6,000. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to take our identity. And he's doing that in our country. He's doing that in our nation. We've seen this in our culture like never before. People are having identity issues with their gender. People are identity with who they are, trying to figure out what am I trying to do. Midlife crises, people are struggling. Let me tell you, if there's one thing that we're seeing right now, we are seeing a crisis of identity like never before. People are finding, why? Because people are finding identity in everything else other than Christ. You know what? My sexual preferences gives me my identity. My political affiliations give me my identity. My ethnic background gives me my identity. But let me tell you, you were created to have identity in only one thing, and that's that you're a child of God. That's that you've been forgiven. That's that you've been redeemed. When our identity is in Christ, everything comes back into order. And one of the things what the enemy comes to do is he wants to mess with our identity. And in verse 28, we see this demoniac running from God. When he saw Jesus, he cried out. What have you to do with me? And I love what he says. Jesus, son of the most high God. He knows who he is. He's running from him. But what I love about God, when we run, God pursues. Right before this trip, Jesus went to the temple. And he pulled out the scroll of Isaiah and he read it in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he has called me to proclaim freedom to the captives. To set free those who are bound. And this is good news for this man. This is good news for you. And this is good news for me. The Bible teaches us that we're all slaves to sin. And we were all under the power of the devil. But here's the truth. Jesus has the power and authority to set us free free. I want to illustrate to you real quickly how the, de- the enemy binds you. Paul gave this warning to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, but, and do not give the devil a foothold. So I'm going to illustrate this real quick. Sometimes when we're angry, what happens is we get mad. Somebody hurts us and the enemy's trying to trap us. He's, he's trying to get us bound. And what happens is, he, is when he gets us bound, he's right there. And, uh, and he gets us bound with that one area. And he stops us back, that bitterness. He, he tries to put it on us. And that bitterness gets hold. The Bible says it's a foothold. That anger turns into a foothold. That's what undealt anger is. Somebody tells you something. Somebody does something to you. You were done wrong at your job. You were abused. You were hurt. And what happens is all of a sudden, this bitterness begins to grab in our heart. And it stops us from moving ahead and following everything that God has for us. We can't pursue everything that God has for us. And not only that. I want you to notice that this man not only hurt himself, but he hurt others around him. Because when we give in to the enemy, that bitterness not only controls us, but it controls others. Because let me tell you, when we're offended, offended people offend other people. 
And hurt people hurt other people. And we get trapped, and that bitterness comes in because we've allowed a foothold. And maybe some of you this morning, you're wondering why you're always mad. You're wondering why you're always angry. You're wondering why you just can't get over it. You're wondering why you have all these toxic feelings. Maybe it's because when somebody did you wrong, it might have been a mom, a dad, a boss. It might be somebody at work. You weren't able to get get rid of it. And what happened, instead of dealing with it biblically and forgiving, you allowed a foothold to come, and all of a sudden you're bound. And not only this, it can also be something like lust. It's not that big of a deal. It's just one look. It's just one click. Man, no big deal. I'm just going to try it one time, and before you know it, you're trapped. You can't move. And all of a sudden, man, you, you thought you had control over it. Now it has control over you, and you, you just can't stop looking at it. You can't stop. It pulls you away. I've seen this over and over. Before I was a pastor, I was a youth pastor that traveled around the country speaking at different youth camps. And I'll never forget, I was in a youth camp in Oklahoma. And this beautiful young 11-year-old girl came up to me and he said, she said, Pastor B, pray for me. Tears running down her eyes. She says, I'm addicted to pornography. 11-year-old girl. And she said, when I was 11 years old, I was just curious. And out of curiosity, I Googled the word sex. And these images came up. And, and now, every time I'm alone, every time I'm by yourself, that's why parents are so careful to put filters and guard your kids and don't give them unfiltered access into everything. Because what happened is she says, every time I'm alone, I just go back and I keep Googling those images. I keep going back. And now I can't stop. I do it all the time, four times a day. I'm trapped and I cannot stop. It's what the enemy calls footholds, strongholds. My mentor, Dr. Royer, we'll bring him for a spiritual warfare class because my goal for you this year is that you would be free. That's what God told us to do. And, and, and what happens at Bounce, or I remember another story when I was preaching at a youth camp in West Texas. There's a young, young man that came up to me. He was about 12 years old. And this is what he said. He said, Pastor, man, uh, would you pray for me? I'm so confused. I, I don't like, know if I like boys or girls. I don't know what I like. like what do you mean? Tell me about it. And let's ask the Holy Spirit maybe to clear up this confusion. And we prayed. He says, you know when this happened? And I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me when it happened. And he showed me one, he told me one day, his parents were working late last night. They had HBO. And he was watching a movie. And in that movie, there was a gay sex scene. And at that moment, he got so confused. And he didn't know whether he liked, liked boys or girls. From that time, he was just messed up because that's what pornography does. That's what lust, man, it's just one time, it's just one click, it's not that big of a deal, and before you know it, you're trapped, like you can't get free from the lust, you can't get free from the bitterness. And then there's debt, or money. Jesus said this, that you can't serve both God and money. In the King James, he translates it as mammon, which is there's a spiritual power to money. And what it is, we can give our lives to serving money. Do you realize that people will do crazy things for money? They'll give their bodies. They'll cheat people. They'll do people wrong. They'll lie. They'll do everything for money because we want money. And not just money, whether we're savers or spenders. Jesus says this, that you look at the lilies of the valley. They're not, in all their glory, they're not clothed like Solomon. That means that we look to pleasure for money. And that we can't find pleasure in money. But then there is, look at the birds of the air. 
they don't save or God takes care of them. Then we look to money for security. And if we're not careful, what happens is we become so trapped by money, so consumed by money, we just pursue money, and money begins to control us. And all of a sudden, we're controlled. We can't take steps of faith. We can't tithe. We can't do these things. Let me tell you, the love of money can trap you. That's why tithing is so important. You know what tithing does? It puts God first. And it shows God, God, you're more important than money, and I'm not going to pursue money. And what it does, it releases the chains of money and debt and all those things, and it allows you to be free. But some people are so controlled by finances and resources and everything that they can't be free. And then there are mindsets that step in. Some of you guys know this. You might have a mom, a dad. They told you something as a kid, like you're no good for nothing. You'll never amount to anything. You're never going to be good for anything. And before you know it, you start believing it. You go to school, I can't do that. I, and all these mindsets and all these ideas and all these things. And before you know it, you're trapped. And I believe this is a picture that many people in this place are. Let me, let me be honest. This is a place where every one of us are at one time or another. But here's the good news. Jesus has the power to set us free. How does Jesus set us free? Three steps. You ask the Holy Spirit to identify the strongholds in your life. The second is you repent. And the third is you ask Jesus to set you free. It's that simple. L let me tell you how I've walked this through some people in their lives. When I was a youth pastor, there was a young man in our youth ministry. He was a youth leader. His name was Larry. And I noticed that Larry was always angry. His windshield was always, he, he had a punch. He was always punching. His windshield broken. He was always kicking the doors. Every, have you ever met somebody? They just go off the deep end all the time. He's always going off the deep end. He's always angry. He's always mad. And I remember we're having a youth service, and I'm preaching on this very topic, spiritual warfare. Those of you guys that know Izzy, he was, a youth, he was in my youth group at that time. He'll tell you the story. In the midst of me preaching, the Spirit of the Lord came down, and this man was in my youth group, this youth leader who was a follower of Jesus, following Jesus, all of a sudden started going crazy, speaking in other voices, shouting rocks, just demonically manifesting right there in the middle of the youth service. So I, I went to where he was at. The kids are freaked out. The other youth leaders are like, Pastor B, uh, you handle this. I said, okay, I'll handle this. And I thank the Lord for Dr. Royer, who was my mentor in spiritual warfare, who taught us a whole lot about how to handle those situations. Because if we have any authority as believers, we stand in our authority of Christ. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to shut up right now. I don't want to speak to this demon. I want to speak to Larry. In that moment, he was under control. Because he told me it's not about a power encounter. It's about a truth encounter. So I sat down, Larry, and we started talking. And I said, Larry, tell me, why do you feel like this? Why are you always mad? Why are you always angry? What caused this? He says, man, I just get mad, and I get angry, and I can't control it. I just want to hit something, and I just get mad. And he started going off and off. Okay. He said, let's stop. Let's pray. Let's ask the enemy. Let's, let, let's ask God to expose the enemy's lies. Let's identify the strongholds. When did you start feeling angry? And I said, let's, I said, let's, I said, let's pray. And we prayed. And I said, Holy Spirit, show Larry this stronghold in his life. And he went back, and he says, you know what? My dad would always get mad at me. He'd always hit me. Every day he'd blame me for things. And then I went back to school, and then they would always tease me. They would make fun of me. I wouldn't dress right. I wouldn't have the cool clothes and all, and all these people. And he was bringing up all this people that all, the root of bitterness. You see that? That anger began to hold in his life that he had held up for years. And I said, God wants to set you free, Larry. You got to do it. Ask Jesus to set you free, and he will. And you got to forgive these people. You got to forgive your dad. 
he knew the name of the kids that you heard him. Would you do it? And at that moment, what happened is he began to unhook the chain and let it go. And guess what? Today, there is a pastor and he's preaching the gospel every week. Some of you, I've been praying for you. And some of the enemy's lies of lust. Something that you looked at when you were 12, 13 years old, that stronghold that has you bound. you got to say, you know what? It's time to let it go. Some of the mindsets and the lies that has been told over you, your mom, your dad, somebody you respected. Every time you try to get ahead, in the back of your mind, they're speaking to you. You just can't break it. There's an invisible wall. It's time to not believe what they said, but it's time to believe the report of the Lord and let it go. Some of you are so controlled by death, man, you can't even tithe. Man, you're so burned down. And sometimes you just got to say, God, you're my provider. I trust in you. I'm not going to be controlled by debt. I'm not going to be controlled by lack anymore. Lord, you'll meet all my needs according to your riches glory. I am going to be free. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has the power to set you free. And I want us to close and look at this story and see how awesome it is. Jesus set my friend Larry free. He set this man free and he can set you free. Look at verse 31. And the the demons begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. But now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned it. Here's the first time we see devil time in all of history. It's the first recorded outbreak of the swine flu. Jesus made the swine do a swine dive. Okay, we'll stop there. Verse, verse 34. But when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they found the man whom the demons had gone out of sitting at the feet of Jesus and look at this clothed in his right mind no longer controlled by his desires and they were afraid the entire town comes to see what happened and what they see is shocking this crazy naked dude is at the feet of Jesus bathed and clothed and he's taking notes at church sitting in the front row people are shocked that can't be him last time we saw him he was naked with a ZZ top beard and scaring kids now he's in Bible college like what's up with this but let me tell you, no one is beyond the grace of God. There is less. There is nobody too far gone. There is nobody that is too lost. Every person matters to God. And there is nobody, no matter where they're at, that God cannot redeem and that God cannot restore. It's what I believe and it's what we'll do here at Freedom Church. I don't care how broken, how far lost they would be. If God can heal this man, he can heal anybody. And in verse... 37. Then the people surrounding the country of Gerenesis asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. They're freaking out. What happened? So he got into the boat, Jesus, and returned. And the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. And all he wanted to do was go to church. All he wanted to do was be around Jesus, listen to Hillsong music, listen to podcasts. He just wanted to be in Jesus' presence, chilling with his new friends. This is what a lot of Christians think following Jesus is about. 
I just want to have a never-ending Bible study with the guys. I want to have goosebumps. Let's not talk about the past because that's really embarrassing. But that's not what a Christian is all about. It's not just about us. It's not about consumerism. It's not about... This is what happened. Look what, look what Jesus says. But Jesus sent him away. He says, you just can't live here. Just return to your home. And I love this. And declare how much God has done for you. Jesus says, now that you've experienced this freedom, it's time for you to share this freedom with others. You can't keep it in because what? Free people. Free people. And God is looking for some people who have experienced freedom in Christ so they can find others and tell the love of Jesus about with everywhere they go. This guy goes from madman to missionary. And look what the text says. I love it. He went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. He had no training, no Bible college. His message was, I was a crazy naked dude. But I met Jesus and he changed my life. And he can change yours too. That's all you need to tell me. You know what? I was messed up. I was addicted to drugs. I was looking for all. But you know what? I, I can't tell you everything. All I know is before I met Jesus, I was this. Now that I met Jesus, I'm this. And the whole town, according to verse 27, was seized with great fear with what Jesus had done. The word fear in the Greek means awe. And I just felt like the Lord told me this, that Jesus this year, 2021, wants to work in your life in such a way that people are in awe of the miracle working freedom that's in your life. God wants to do this in this church, in this community. Where they're in awe of the life change, in awe of the stories, in awe of how much God has done in my life. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.